Hey everyone, I'm Omri Caspi. And I panic about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Not much. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. You look good. How you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic, like a million bucks, my man. All right. Well, you know me, athlete. Yes. You know, by the way... That's how I think of you. <laughs> it's so funny. I'll be golfing with somebody. And I'm not horrible, but there's moments of actually, like, even I'm surprised. <laughs> you knew me when I was a kid player, but there's moments in, in my late 50s where I hit a shot and I go... <laughs> Like, the people that are playing with me know that I'm surprised. <laughs> That's how rare an event it is to hit one on the nuts. And you you, you and I golfed every day through our MBA program. Yes. Which explains a lot of why we're now locked in a podcast studio where I can hear my <laughs> ear hair grow. But you've hit your share of good shots. You do not play anymore, right? Because your eyes? I am a horrible, horrible player. And no, you were good. You you had moments. You're tall. I had moments. It'd be uh, like you cycling up the Alps. You were not meant to do two things, golf and cycling. <laughs> no, probably not. But you're going to be excited because we have a, a guest who's taller than you. But anyways, I'll hit a shot. And friends of mine, it's so insulting because they could just say nice shot. Instead, they go, you're surprisingly athletic, <laughs> <laughs> which is just so funny. This is the point where uh, because, I'm not Because, you know, in our 20s when them, we right? played at ASU, we took this shit seriously. Like, we thought we were athletic, and we took golf seriously, and we would get upset and mm -hmm. drown ourselves at the seeps or wherever with drinks. Or uh, well, where'd we go? Oh, we'd go to McDuffie's. McDuffie's, where I live literally uh, one crawling, long barf Crawling away. distance away. Where my worst, the only thing that mattered to me, Dan, did, did my roommate spill the bong water? On our carpet. But those were the days. Now I have different worries. Like, uh, what is the semiconductor index doing? No, I'm kidding. So anyways, I'm, I'm surprisingly athletic. Is that something that you would agree with? Uh, I'm not supposed to, but yes. Yes. No, that was not a trick question. But while I'm surprisingly athletic, I'm not surprisingly considered a pretty good investor, which is like always a mystery to me because, you know, I don't consider myself a good investor. I mean, we are in a bull market. But anyways, today's guest is surprisingly an investor, yeah, but right. not surprisingly an athlete because uh, he is tall. He is, I don't know how tall he is, maybe 6'9", 6'10". But more importantly, he was the first Israeli to play in the NBA. Very impressive. Very impressive. And he's still thin, and he's living over in uh, Israel, Tel Aviv. And he, with his friend David Citron, have started a fund. Huh. Cool. And a lot of NBA players now are into this. He was part of this crossover group of players and at the right place at the right time. There were, that when he was at the Warriors, people started investing in startups, you know, from Chamath on down. All these people were in the locker room. So I want to hear some of these stories. I am an LP in Omri's new fund. I think he hit me up on Twitter. I forget. And um, I'm supposed to be hitting athletes up. Instead, athletes are now hitting me up, which is pretty cool. <laughs> surprising <laughs> on that same trend but anyways i was over in tel aviv recently we hung out for the first time but we've we've been uh, chatting online he has a podcast it's like 
being with a celebrity when you're in Israel? Because when you are the first NBA player and, and a long career in the NBA, um, what do I know about him? He mainly played at small forward position, which is what I played at in high school, small forward. And uh, I played that from the bench, small forward. And <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he was drafted 23rd overall in the 2009 NBA draft, that's pretty cool, by the Sacramento Kings. Like I said, making him the first Israeli to be selected in the first round of the NBA draft. He is the uh, managing director of the Omri Caspi Foundation, started in 2015. You know how I feel about Israel. It's one of the most amazing countries in the world. Yes, I do. Um, He has started his podcast uh, a couple years ago. He's all over the internet. He's a social guy, and he's a great speaker, and... I just want to learn a little bit about how uh, his mindset will help him as an investor and what it's like living in Israel and doing this in the network. So uh, let's get Omri on the phone. We apologize for scratchy audio coming in from Israel today, but here we go. Omri! (laughs) That was a really nice uh, kind of coming on party from you guys. Thank you so much for the introduction. It was great. So how how tall are you? I said I said when you were uh, that uh, this might be the tallest baby ever born on Twitter. Is your baby tall? Is there is your recent baby tall? Not no nothing special. I remember playing for the Kings in 2016. I think Rudy Gay had his first kid in Sacramento. Uh-huh. He's a beautiful kid. Now when he was born, he was almost I think 12 and a half pounds. I was 10. So he came out really big. He he broke the record in Sacramento. Yeah, I've only put on 170 pounds since birth. <laughs> so he came out so really I'm doing big. well. Like when people say I look a little heavier, I'm only up 170 since birth. The uh, What do you weigh now? You're th- you're lean. You won't, I tried to get you to eat bread. You wouldn't. Not touching bread. Bread is the devil. And well, Even though you live amongst some of the greatest bread with uh, pita, how do you, so how thin are you right now? What's your weight? What's your uh, investing weight? I think uh, investing weight is, uh, I'd say, probably 225 and probably 13%, 14% body fat. But I haven't, I haven't really worked out for quite some time now. It's been a while. And so what was the first time that you thought about investing? I mean, you, your MBA, your, your, your career, you're in Israel, you get discovered. How, how, does, this, how does basketball start for you? No, so I think the whole process actually started in the U.S., right? So I played for the Kings, for and, and our draft class was really quality, just quality good people. Steph was the seventh pick. Wow. Uh, James Harden was the third. Blake Griffin was first. We had DeMar DeRozan, Drew Holiday, so a lot of quality good guys. And I saw this trend of, you know, when I got into the league in 2009, you know, the locker room talk was totally different, right? And suddenly you get to the Warriors in 2017-18, and this is literally everything that the guys are talking about. So all the team, like it wasn't just you. Yeah, it's literally that. That was the talk of the conversation. You know, the locker room is Draymond. Like would Chamath come in the room and pitch backs or no? Uh, well, well, I don't think. I don't <laughs> think when, when I was there, Shaman was even there yet at the time. I think. Oh, okay. Like, Draymond, Draymond yeah. would come into the team and 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 say, "Hey guys, there's this opportunity." And Steph and Andre and and KD and you know, it was wow. beautiful to see. And I remember the league. You know, when I got drafted, we, we used to go through this rookie transition program that. It literally was just the beginning of, hey, just keep your money, you know, don't let anyone invest your thing. And it was, you know, just a great process to see the guys going. So ever since I moved back to Israel, I said, you know, I have this opportunity. I've seen my colleagues in the U.S. I started investing in the U.S. I did pre-IPO 
with some cool companies I invested with, you know, DocuSign pre-IPO. I did a lot of quality companies at the time. And ever since moving back to Israel, you know, it's the same kind of community that I'm at in San Francisco. And now going back and it's, it's a fresh start. I want to do this here. This model of having an athlete and a tech investor is a model that's been quite successful from an allocation standpoint and competing for deals and people understanding value. And this is exactly our, our ticket. Like we want to be heads down working, helping our founders uh, leverage a lot of relationships we built over the years and, and, and really get allocation into the best deals. And, and I think this is the winning mentality long term. I'm going to hop around. That's great. Did you think you were going to be drafted in the first round? No, it's funny when you guys talked about the introduction, you know, there, there's a, there's a funny story when David Stern may rest in peace said there was a kid in Boston. It was some sort of an event, NBA event. And a kid came to David, David Stern. He was a commissioner to the NBA for, I think what, 25 years or so. Yeah, I just saw him in the LA Lakers show on HBO as a kid. Like when, um, you got to watch it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the magic being drafted in the beginning of the Lakers with Jerry Buss and David Stern was just starting as. I don't even know if he was commissioner yet, but keep going. So Stern. So Stern see this kid and this kid comes up to him saying, hey, David, you know, I promise you I'll be an NBA player. And David goes back to him. He's, he's a Jewish kid at some sort of a Jewish kind of event uh, in Boston. And, and David goes back to him. Hey, kid, you have a much higher percentage and, and you know, success opportunity being an NBA owner than an NBA player, <laughs> which is funny, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, I'm tall, you know, and it's like. You know, when I saw him coming out to the draft, I was in Israel. It was 3.30 a.m. My whole family's with me. Uh, I was projected to be the 22nd pick going to Portland. And Portland drafted a small forward right into me. And I was starting to think, you know, just between my, me and myself, I'm like, oh, this this is going to be a bad night. The media is there. The whole country's watching. My parents, everything, etc. And then David goes on stage with a small smirk on his face. And I knew something is up, and wow. on the 23rd pick, you know, the Sacramento Kings are like Omri Casper, and then, you know, literally my whole life changed from one end to another. And what was the first thing you bought that you despised yourself for buying? You know what? I never really had that stick. you know. I, I, I remember flying to the U.S. my mom literally the next day, getting to Sacramento, getting settled in, you know, signing the contract, getting to NBA, uh, the, the whole kind of draft process, and then NBA Summer League, et cetera. And then going back to Israel, I had to still finish my Army duty. I served in the Army for, at the time. I was still a soldier, right. officially a soldier. So I had to go back to Israel, uh, kind of finish my Army duty, sign off and everything, and then move back to the U.S. Wow. So they had to wait for you. Yeah, but they really had the kind of stick, you know. And well, because something. where do you buy pants? Like, where where does a guy like you even <laughs> buy pants? Like, so where do you buy pants? Where does a tall person buy pants? You know, when you play for the league, you, you have all this uh, kind of suit, you know, uh, ambassador that come into your hotel and, you know, they measure you and, oh. you know, they want to make a lot of suits for you and all that sort of stuff. So, so I think my first two, three years, I kind of spent a lot of money on suits and stuff, which I kind of regret. Uh, right. You know, Clothes is the big regret. Yeah, like, I'm, I don't know, one year I spent like $30,000, $40,000 just on suits and stuff. And I was like, you know what, that, you know, I still have them, some of them. And I was like, yeah, that, that wasn't smart. Today, like, how do you buy clothes? Just do they have large and tall online? Like, if you go to Lulu, does that, does that have an MBA section? <laughs> I don't know. I still have like my own kind of. Is there a code that you surf the web with? <laughs> I still have kind of my own thing in the U.S. I have my my store that I like to to buy my stuff at, and you know now when I'm kind of like when I played, my body you know just transformed from playing to to where it's at now. Like my legs shrinked a little bit. I felt like my muscle kind of going back to 
a kind of normal human being. And I feel like now just getting an extra large and extra, extra large just fits perfectly. And I, I find it pretty easy now. And your wife is from Israel? Yeah, my wife is from here. She was born in L.A. and then moved back to Israel. And then when she was, you know, three, four year old. Uh, and then she lived with me for five and a half years in the U.S. It was wonderful. It was an amazing experience. And, and now mostly, mostly here in Tel Aviv. Yeah. And do you remember the first time you had a good falafel in Sacramento? It was, is there? <laughs> Not like I the mean, one these we are the things of, I, I, I know you wanted some hard hitting questions, but this is this is interesting <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, nothing like nothing like the one. There, there is a couple of good spots in LA that I like in New York that I like, uh, but nothing in Sacramento. Nothing in Sacramento, and nothing like the one we've been together. Uh, How was it? I know what a great place, Malka. What What do you miss about the states, if anything? When when we're you know when when we're here you know there's just a lot going on for us you know yeah. being with the family and kids and a lot of you True. know friends coming in and out when we used to go back to the U.S. every summer right after the summer kind of getting geared up for the season it was just us mostly you know and, and you know we find that fun at the same time like being around family is something that we cherish and this is the main reason why we're here we love it but sometimes it's just fun to get away so we'll we'll be in the U.S. in, in the summer for I don't know two three weeks just to get away a little bit, get to Orlando, get to Miami, you know, get some Disney into the kids and stuff like that, even though whatever's going on with Disney, that was a little bit crazy, but same time just to get away a little bit. And so 2017, the world kind of shifts. It was impossible being in the Valley and playing for the Warriors not to do this. Right. Did you find yourself watching that great team? I mean, you won an NBA. I won one with them, 17-18, yes. 17-18. So can you describe what it feels like, like what that's like? Yeah, there's there's nothing really, you know, as a kid growing up, you you know, at the time I used to watch Michael Jordan games in 1996 when I was an 80-year-old. You know, that dream of winning an NBA championship and being around, you know, the locker room, you know, you walk into the Warriors locker room, a team that won two championships already. Oh, they had won KD, two already. Steph. Got it. Okay. They won two right before I got there. And then, yep. you know, KD, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre, uh, Sean Livingston, uh, David West, like really deep quality guys. Steve Kerr was amazing. And just being like around these guys day in and day out, understanding that really what it takes to win. You know, and, and kind of it's similar, you know, to me when you assess team and, you you know, you want to sign with a team in free agency. It's like it's really who the superstar is, what the, you know, what the culture of the organization is. So it's really similar to, to investing like, when you see two guys in an idea, two guys, two girls or whatever, but like, especially like the seed level, pre-seed level, like what's the dynamic between them? How hard they really want it? They want to be like really successful. Are they going to work at 2 a.m.? Or, or, and they're going to be there for one another. And so there's a lot of similarities to investing. And and then, you know, once once you get that, that over kind of the hump with that, it's like you can really achieve anything. I think Israel is a great market to invest in. There's so much talent. The whole kind of community is, is booming, and it's awesome to be around. Yeah, it's hard to explain it to people because you can, you know, luckily I have a few friends there, but when I land, it's a world within a world, in it. but yet it's so tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally a mile, you know, mile square footage. You know, Tel Aviv is, is on the market and all the way to – you know, a little bit of Ercilia maybe and Rochelle, but that's really it. There's a hundred over a hundred unicorns now within that block. Um, per capita, we're number one in the world. Um, now there's real capital investing in Israel. I think is, Israelis, you know, they're second and third time entrepreneurs coming back, doing their next thing. You know, there's experience in consumer, you know, with the lemonade, 
you know, a lot of consumer companies, some of them are at Stealth, so we can't mention their names, but they're growing rapidly. So there's real, you know, the, the, the cybersecurity has always been a, a very interesting point about Israel, but how do you really scale a big business? So the cyber starts of the world of starting businesses that are becoming bigger. You know, so I think just, you know, the, the whole community is different. It's changed a lot. The second time founders are coming in, investing in, in new founders and helping them and coaching them. There's business to be made between them, right? If you're, you know, whatever, a cybersecurity company and you need connections. So, you know, you have Wiz and you have WIC. You know, there's so many companies you can do business with. So there's a lot more opportunities than ever before. And Israelis don't settle to sell their company for $200 million anymore. They, they want to be $10 billion company or $15 billion company. And why not? You know, so they're just growing. So, so, so you always knew it was seed. So when they came into the locker room, you're sitting there with all these legends. Um yeah. Curry has his own fund too. Uh, I don't know if the other guys have their own funds or just invest off their own balance. His honeypot, or I've talked to the guys in Milwaukee. Penny jar. Penny jar. Penny, Penny jar. jar. Exactly. And so tell us a little bit about your firm and how you met David. I mean, it's just, David's amazing and it's fun to, to network with you guys. So tell me how that all came together. Yeah. So I reached back, I went back, I moved back to Israel and I'm a big believer in community and having, you know, good people around you, you know, and that you can strive to be better and to, to pick their brain and, and learn a lot, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm never the smartest guy in the room, but I always like to be around smarter people than me and people that can help me and grow and grow my business and grow my, my mindset, etc. So when I was back in Israel, I was like, okay, so who are the leading investors? Who's investing in seed? This is where I like to play. This is where I can bring the most value. This is where, you know, it's competitive and, but I have a different edge. So David was one of them. His name came up, came up. He invested in some very interesting companies and reached out to him, said, hey, I want to have breakfast together or coffee on LinkedIn, just just like that. And we had coffee the next day, uh, started investing together. And then we felt like this combination that Penny Jar we talked about, a KD35 Ventures, that having a VC tech investor who's you know quality and, and talented and uh, let's call it a celebrity or an athlete, that model is, is, you know, there's little to no overlap whatsoever. And we can bring a tell them. So it's, it's becoming this two-headed monster that we can bring this value. You know, we, we see different things. We, we communicate different things to the founders. Our, our value adds are different. And it's, it's just great. It's a great story. And then we, we had a great mar- product market fit within the market right, right off the bat. And we decided, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. And the name of the firm is, Sh- Sh- how do you pronounce it? Sheva. Yeah, Sheva, number seven. Which have a lot of significance for us. So number seven is my, my firstborn, Sarai, Sarah, was born seven seven seventeen. My second daughter, Esther, was born also in, in July, so seven. I played in seven NBA teams. Number seven just kept following me around. I'm, I, I live in the street number seven, on the seventh floor, unit 27. I won't tell you the name of the street, but I'll tell you everything else about it. Um, <laughs> but other yeah, Canoodle will just... be there. Have you been to Zero <laughs> Canoe? Not yet, but I'm, I'm counting on you taking me soon. No, not happening. So, so seven, <laughs> Sheva, yeah, I need to be very read. So, Sheva is seven. Yeah. And, and are you going to focus just on Israel? I mean, I know these, but I'm asking. Yeah, you. no, no, thank you. It's great. Yeah, Israel is really related. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Israelis now in the, in, in the Bay and in the U.S. So, we want to keep our options open and, and we have great relationships in the U.S., but mainly our focus is really here our boots on the ground, running around the streets, meeting with people day, day in and day out. Uh, so, it's really the focus of our firm, but. We do have a lot of U.S. founders and operators and great investors. So we, we are kind of open to have deal flow from, from the U.S. as well, uh, but mainly, mainly our focus is strong. 
And so going back to hoops for a little bit. Yeah. When you get to the Warriors, obviously you said there was just Kerr from Kerr on down. The, the mindset was just to keep winning. Mm-hmm. And did you find yourself just watching the game ever? Or were you always like, I mean, how does that, like when you're around that many great players, even though you're on a championship team, what's that like from the bench and from the, from the floor playing with them? Yeah, one thing that Steve has, 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 has done really well, and I appreciate it even more now, that you know when they recruited me, um, we talked on July 1st, which is when free agency started. It was 7 a.m., which was midnight in New York at the time. And 95% of the conversation with Steve was about my mental and how would I deal with adversity. And, you know, some games you'll play, some games you'll play 25 minutes. The next day, you might not play at all. Like, how would you take it? You know, are you for the team, et cetera, et cetera. So he asked me a ton of questions. And, you know, so I was really, really prepared. First and foremost, obviously, knowing going to this team. So the, the minutes are limited and you need to, to make the most of every opportunity to build that trust. But at the same time, always stay ready. Uh, and Steve has his own kind of rotation. Sometimes you're not playing the first half and then you'll play 17 minutes in the second half. So right. you always got to stay sharp and hot and warmed and, and ready to go. Um, so even when you watch the game, like I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, being ready at, at 99% of the time is, is the most important thing rather than just, just, just get ready when you go on the court. And what is it about Curry? Did you see him get better or was, was he always great? He got a lot better. He, he was really great in college, um, but there are some questions. I think, you know, remember Steph in his third year signed a four-year, $40 million deal, which uh, by any means is a big, big dollar deal. But at the same time, it's not the max deal. So he wasn't, you know, there's was question about his, his ankles. Uh, he used to tweak his ankles a lot, huh. missed a lot of time early on. Um, his body wasn't, you know, ready for it, but he just kept getting better and better and better and better. You know, I, I didn't think, I remember seeing him in summer league in 2009 and he was just dancing on the court. I'm like, who is this dancer <laughs> shooting threes like that? He didn't make all shots, but he just kept getting better. And, and he literally changed the game forever. So he's always moving. I mean, the Lakers were like that. They were always moving. Yeah. Uh, but he, when I watch the game, he's moving more than everybody else. Is that just, is this, he just, that's just what he has to do? There's no player. I played against, thank God, I played against the best of the best. Other than, you know, yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of great players in the past, but like Michael Jordan, I didn't play against them, but I played against prime Kobe, prime Shaq, prime LeBron, prime KD, prime Steph, prime James Harden, you know, so a lot of good players, Kyrie and a lot of guys. And there was, there was no, never a player like Steph. Once he passed half court, the ball is live, you know, and he's, he can, he's a threat from 40 feet out. So it's like he changed the whole dynamic on the court. Everything is so, so much more spread out. And it's just, and he, he, like you said, he, he keeps moving all the time. So he creates this dynamic on the court like no other. I can really, you know, Steph is a really, really special player, really special player. I think he's the best point guard ever. I'll take him number one. Did anybody talk smack in Hebrew to you on the floor? <laughs> Shaq once. I had a game against no Shaq first my rookie year. He said, Shalom, Haver. He's like, hey, friend. Friend, And yeah. I, I looked at him, you know, and I was like, what? He's like, the cutest motherfucker ever. Yeah. Is, yeah. is he a nice guy? Oh, yeah, but he's super funny. And then he's like, I played with this guy in college. He's Israeli, and he was my best friend. And, uh, yeah, and he gave me some, some crap. It was awesome. And then you got to play against Kobe. Yeah, Kobe was a killer. And so, who was the one that you just 
were nervous about having to play against? Um, it's a good question. You know, I don't think nervous is the, the kind of the term I'd use, but like the most intimidating, Kobe was definitely up there. I think KD was a guy, I mean, remember KD's a 7-1 maybe, 7-footer. That played my position. I didn't know he's that tall. Yeah, he's really, uh-huh. really tall. Like Skinny. I think the NBA list him at like six ten, which is is total bullcrap. It, he's way more. Why than would that. they list him at six ten? There's always that where they list some guys taller and some. What's the reason? It's like Michael Jordan six six. Michael Jordan is right. barely touching six four, and I've met him face to face. But Katie is literally seven feet tall, and I, I don't know. I don't know why that happened. But like you, you see Katie. You know he was so athletic before he tore his Achilles. And so athletic. And he, was, he can shoot the ball from anywhere, and he's very aggressive. And it's like there's literally nothing you can do against the guy. Uh, I really <laughs> hated playing against him. What was the most points you ever got in a game? My best game, point-wise, was 36 against the Warriors. Wow. Yeah. And that was for the Kings. Yeah, for 2015-16. Uh, that was the game that, you know, if, if looking back, like that's the game that you're like, okay, we, we're getting him next year. So it's 36 uh, yeah, that year I averaged about twelve points, and it was like my best. We missed the playoffs, which sucked, but but other than that, it was like a really good team. And do you like watching the NBA now, or what's your favorite sports? Yeah, I, you know what? Ever since re- retiring, like I took some time off just to let my 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 mental get away a little bit, you know. So I do watch stuff to the playoffs have, have started, uh, which is fun. We have an Israeli now playing for the Wizards, so I watch him. I watch my Warriors. I watch my Kings sometimes. Uh, I like Le- watching LeBron and some of the guys. And, yeah, the, the, the Suns are great. They have a really good team. Um, I know. It's fun. Sixers now have James, and it's, it's awesome. They have good owners and David Blitzer. So, yeah, like, I watch basketball. Not as much as I used to. I mean, I played in almost a 1,000 games. You know, it's like once you play so much and, you know, there's not more that you can really learn watching games and video and all that sort of stuff. It's like I'm taking some time off. And what is a company that you saw early that you're really excited about that? Give me like a play-by-play of how it came about. So investing in a company, uh, which is still in stealth, um, that essentially starting with fraction ownership to any asset. And, you know, now with the whole kind of Web3 phenomenon, they're starting with NFTs, but they quite early have developed much more into an infrastructure play, which really got us excited from the very beginning. So essentially, it's like a Discord and Venmo had a baby and some sort of a PayPal had like a stepfather there or something. (laughs) So it's really like a checkout button, buy together, but also a whole full infrastructure play. Let's say me and you go on one of the big marketplaces that you can check out that me and you literally on chain can own and sell NFT. So NFT to us is, is a protocol. But yeah, hopefully in the future, it can be real estate, it can be a car, it can be anything. So, I mean, there's, I think this is where the, the real potential of it, rather than, you know, an ugly JPEG. And what got you down the crypto rabbit hole? It seems like you really like, and you're a bit of a geek. Yeah, oh, like because crypto. like you're using Twitter and I think you found me or did you know mm. who I was? No, I knew who you were and I found you on Twitter. I like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really a workaholic, to be honest. I think the fact that, you know, being an athlete and, and competing for so many years, it's like I always kind of strived, you know, I don't want to sound arrogant, but like I always strive to be the best I can be, you know, and, and suddenly now I have like I'm starting, I'm not starting from zero, obviously, but like I still need to really, like I really want to be the best and, and, and make a name for myself. So like I, I really, oh, the best I can be, I don't know how far can I get, hopefully be really good, but I really strive to be real. So I really work really hard and 
state. So like who's out there, who's investing early? What's, I really built a list of like 25 funds that I have close relationship with them now. And I want them to invest with me and build these relationships and bring these value to our founders, you know, always really working. So, uh, you know, I saw you on, you on Twitter, reached out, you said, email me, let's talk. We got on a Zoom. It's great. Met your team. You have an amazing team. You have an amazing team. You guys have been in amazing companies. So just had fun. It was awesome. No, I know I'm surprisingly athletic. Would you consider me surprisingly <laughs> handsome? <laughs> we haven't gone one-on-one because I'm I, – you want to see someone talk trash. I talk trash on the way to getting trashed. Uh, surprisingly handsome too, would you say? Uh, if you're handsome – That's a no. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, was a, that was a polite no. <laughs> <laughs> very good looking. And so do you get treated differently in Israel than – like what is it like yeah. being somewhat of a celebrity in Israel versus the United States? Well, it's home. Uh, I mean, in Israel, you really like one of one, one of whatever. There was three NBA players in the history of the country. I was the first. There was another player got, called Gal Mekko. Well, we played in the league for two years, and now we have Danny Avdia, who plays for the Wizards. So it's really like you're really one of three, let's say. So it's really and you, you, very tall. Right? Israelis are not known for, they're not for the smarts, but they're not known for, for their you know height. So, you know, you're walking around 6'9", the streets of Tel Aviv, basketball players, a little bit of beard, you know. So it's it's fun. People are really nice. I love being out in the streets. I love interacting with people and being around people and, and being around our funders. So, so it's always fun. I really enjoy this. This is really a privilege to, to be in this position. So I really kind of cherish that. So it sounds like you, you are getting to craft your own future here, which is what the whole joy of Absolutely. investing is. You know, you're a student of investing. You you yeah. you have an edge in that you know how to communicate and you can talk to people like me and get us on the phone and mm-hmm. you know to close people. And David's great. He's very wise for a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of you are, but he's super young and, and wise. And, and I don't know if that's the Israeli spirit and in the military, but like, what is it that worries you? That's a good question. You know, I do want to kind of, you know, one of our founders said, you know, as an investor, you know, you can be a plus 10, you can be a zero, or you can be a minus 10. I think you know what I'm talking about. So I said, what do you mean by that? It was like, so there's investors that, you know, stay put, you know, they provide somewhat of a value, but, you know, they, they don't mess around my company, which is, is good. There's there's investors that are minuses, that they really sit on the board and they, they, they mess around and they, they want to take the company to their direction because they've had success in this direction. Um, and, and it really kind of drag you down, but there's also some plus tens, right? They bring value. They work hard for you. They, they help you build the next round to, to kind of fundraise your next round. They bring, you know, uh, design partners, they help you with recruiting, etc. So I really want to be that 10, right? I want to, I want to, so if, if I talk to my founders and, and I, I really put it out there from the very beginning, like, listen, guys, I, I want to be your best friend. I want to help you guys. I want to succeed. Like, so, so if you succeed, I'll succeed. Right. But sometimes it's not necessarily up to me. So it's like you also need to know to let go a little bit in a sense. So basketball always felt like if, if I'll prepare myself, I'll be good in the game. But here it's like I got to, you know, bet on the right founders, help them. But in the end of the day, it's really their company. So I'm, I'm worried about, you know, stuff that are not in our control, right? Even though, like, I can't really be worried about it because I can't control it. But, like, if there's a bull market and something happened and then we made a really good investment, but something happened and, you know, it's part of the game. But I really try to control what I can't control. You know, it's like, you know, what I can't control is, is really work with our guys and, and work with them early and, and bet on the best ones, bring good people around them, and things will take care of themselves. And what about Israel in general? Like uh, someone that grew up there, then left, then came back. What's different? 
A lot of things, you know, it's like, it's funny, you, you land in, in, in Ben Yuron Airport, International Airport, and you drive to Tel Aviv, and you see this, all this construction, it's literally like everywhere, like new buildings and new this and new offices, which is really awesome. And I think one thing that Israel has, has, has got to do better, and is actually, we see it a little bit now, that it's becoming a much more mature market, which always Israel has been known to the startup nation emphasis. And now Israel is more of a scale up nation, there's bigger companies, etc. So Israelis need to it's a little bit more modest, I think, in a sense, maybe. Valuation got a little bit crazy in the pre-seed, seed side, and, and they, 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 they moved back down a little bit. They, they, you know, went down a little bit now to more of a normal kind of numbers, which makes sense. So I think that that's good. And then, and then obviously, you know, kind of later on, kind of staying the course and, and keep getting better. And so tell us how you stay relevant. Like, so, so what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? What does a day-to-day job of a startup investor look like in Israel? Yeah, so I think, you know, like our, our week starts with, you know, like you're really in, in the middle between your investors and your founders and new new founders that you're reaching out and building a relationship with. So essentially, like the, the start of the week, we always reach out to our founders, like where things are at, we, you know, biweekly during the day, getting out to the street, getting to the offices, what's needed, you know, what do you need from us, where, where you guys are at, where, where your mind at, what's going on in the market kind of pick their brain of everything that's happening, what needs to be happening with the company, why things are not really working properly. We, we like to hear it from them. So so always constant conversation with our founders. Other than kind of, you know, obviously it's very important for us to, to keep a very open line of communication with our investors and, and LPs to, that they know that we see pretty much, hopefully God willing, every deal in the country and, and, and we have an opportunity to invest them and then to bring value to our founders. So really staying the course. One thing that we want to do in Israel that's never really been done before is really have tech events in, in a much bigger scale than they've ever been. So having out like you and Mark Cuban and, you know, hopefully in the future, like a Steph Curry, you know, as a tag name, right, to come to Israel, to invest more in Israel, for them to understand everything that's happening in Israel, which is great for Israel, but also kind of bring their experience from the U.S. to educate and, and to pass the torch forward. So I think that's very important. And I'm doing my podcast. I really enjoy being out there and, and recording my podcast on a weekly basis, which is awesome. It keeps us relevant. And, and it's, it's a great market. I had Yoni from eToro. We just, I just saw him a couple of days ago for coffee. It was awesome. He said, listen, my mom and her friends, they came up to me. And it's like, we, we love to podcast with Omri. I was like, oh, this is my audience. Her mom and her friends. They're like, no, but listen, like it's like the mainstream. The mainstream people, they, they like it. And they, don't, they, they never really get exposed to Yoni. And Sometimes you only, you know, listeners are not getting exposed to Naftali Bennett or whoever it is. So it's really awesome. So to really take that, but also expand into more of tech, you know, tech investing, you know, all that sort of stuff around that podcast as well. And so this is your first fund. Yeah. Um, what can you tell other people who are thinking about doing this? You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, like what, you wouldn't have done it yourself or would you have? No. No, um, I, I wanted to do it with someone because especially early, you know, early on getting into the, the industry, uh, you know, the, the experience part of, of investing, I think, is, is very valuable. This is like when we had dinner, most of the conversations like, hey, Howard, what do you think we should do from a marketing perspective? Like, how do we position ourselves? How do we build our brand? Like, what do you do with your founders? Like, would you pass on this? What is an ownership threshold? Would you do this if the ownership threshold were there? Like all these questions, everything comes to mind. I think it's very important to, to solidify uh, very early. And I think if, if you're a first-time founder and you really need to build a story, like 
you know, investors and LPs, they've, they've heard it all and they've been burnt and, and they've had success, right? So it's like, what, what's your story? Like, what's unique about you? Why would people let you in, into a round, right? Like, let's say you've got to compete with someone, right. like, what's different about you? What would you do for them that is different than what I'll do for them, right? So when we solidify that and build a community around our firm, things become much, much better for us as well, right? So we have a lot of founders and a lot of good investors, a lot of good people around that. That, that, that creates that community kind of feeling. And I think LP is really, we're really excited about that. And were you a geek? I forgot. Like No, um, I was really not on basketball, so it was hard, you know. Growing up, like from the day I remember myself, like I always had a basketball in my hand. Uh, so I turned professional when I was 17. Wow. I, I joined the army when I was 18 to 21. I still played professionally throughout, you know, so it's like never really had that time, you know, always been around basketball, always been out, always been tired, sleeping most of the day, taking naps, you know. It's <laughs> Sounds just... like me and I've never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so that is really, really interesting. And who do you like to, like, how do you stay in the mix? Is it Twitter? Like what, is, what you know, obviously you do your posture, but how do you stay in the mix? All of that, buff. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, I think there's different audiences. You know, like for instance, my mom, she don't have Twitter, but she's always very active on Facebook. Like she follows me there, you know? So so there's an audience that I want, I want to get to that, you know, even for my podcast, right? I'm doing, I'm recording, but I'm still doing video. So I'll do YouTube, right? I'm the biggest kind of YouTube podcast, Israeli podcast in Israel. I've been voted the number one podcast in Israel because I, I get to different audiences, like the Facebook, the YouTube, the Spotify, Apple podcast, all that sort of stuff. So, so really being on pretty much every platform to be out there. And what about politics for you? I know you have strong opinions. Most Israelis do. Is there any future in politics or how would you, how do you want to be involved in changing the future besides investing? That's another really good question. I think politics, especially in Israel with our system, we have a really messed up system. Okay, but who doesn't? But how mess, what, explain to people why, why it's messed up because I know, but. Because in Israel, you need to build a, you need to build a coalition in order to, to get elected to prime minister. We don't have presidents right. here, right? So let's say you vote to a certain party. They need to go out and negotiate with everyone. So let's say I voted for candidate X to, to be the prime minister. He needs to go out and negotiate with a lot of smaller parties or maybe as big as them, but to give them different positions within government. So you don't really vote. You vote for someone, but you don't really get him. You get, you know, you get a 50, coalition. 55. Yeah, you get a coalition. You get like 51% of him. But then, you, you know, he needs to negotiate a lot of different things. So it's, it's really, and, and, then, and then from that point on, Israel has, a, you know, really bad laws around kind of, you know, separation of, of the Supreme Court and the elected officials. And it's really a process. So, so if you had to ask me, like, like, I think there's a lot of ways now to, especially like with the, the social media kind of era that you can communicate and talk about stuff that are interest of you. So, so you can, like Elon Musk now is, is doing a lot on, on Twitter, right? So, so it's like, you know, he, you know, free speech and values that you care about, you can talk about them and people appreciate that now, on the one end. But I really like, hopefully God willing, make, make money and, and hopefully, and then, and then donate and, and to build, you know, my community and, and, and things that I like and, can make a lot of impact there, you know, and, and kind of social help around that rather than politics. So you're coming of age right now, this era in time, you, you, the first company you mentioned is interesting, like you're excited about in that you, it's stealth is crypto. What is it about crypto that gets you excited in Web3? I think, the, you know, I'm somewhat of a, a libertarian. I think the fact that having a wallet and it's some sort of an identity 
throughout that wallet and, and not being dependent necessarily by government kind of owning my my bank accounts and and freezing them if something happened the treasurer I mean not necessarily me but just as a whole. Well they did that in Canada or threatened to do that. I mean it's fucking yeah. You want to talk about an advertisement for Web3 is Trudeau of all Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was kind of, you know, I was talking about it on Twitter. Like, when you look at the war, you know, in in Ukraine and, and Russia, it's like, if you're Ukrainian and, and you need to leave everything behind, and you have a little, you know, a little bit of money, maybe a little bit of real estate, etc. But then, you you know, you're getting conquered or, or everything that's like really, the, you know, hopefully it's going to end soon. But, you know, like, what do you what do you do? But if you do have your wallet and you have some sort of money that is outside, like some sort of crypto wallet that you have money that you know you can take it anywhere with you. And, you you know, you're not necessarily dependent on on your your bank account in Ukraine. It, it gives you much more of a freedom. But I think that fact and, and if I look at, you know, the, the guys that are super excited about that, like the, the 20, you know, the 15 to 25 kind of age, it's like the money moves very fast with them. Technology is very advanced. You know, what's going to happen when these guys are going to be 35, you know, like 10 years from today? I think the whole banking system is going to have to right. change. Your kids. That wallet is the thing. Mm-hmm. Until until proven otherwise, I'm all in because of the wallet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a company in Israel, Zengo, that's like figuring out, like, I should have invested in that a while back. But I was just with Uriel and the way he's thinking through the wallet. I mean, when I when he pitched it to me, it wasn't even a wallet four years ago. So, so the wallet is the first big thing. And Ukraine... If you didn't know, now you know. Someone leaves, they can't take their gold, mm-hmm. they can't take their home, but the wallet and the digital and, and the cloud, thank God, exists. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not helping many right now, but you almost have no excuse as a human, as a citizen, not to have a digital wallet at this point. Completely agree. I think, yeah. Well, I'm excited for the next 10 years because that's how long I'm going to be working with you, no matter what, <laughs> like it or not. So, uh, I'll be 66 Wow! and uh, that's kind of gross to think about it, but yeah, you'll be dealing with a 66 year old man at some point. Hey, Omri, what up with that company (laughs) that we invested in 2024? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, that's what I try and tell people. It's like, be careful what you wish for. And now you're stuck (laughs) with me. So, but it's fun to uh, have more friends in Tel Aviv. I plan to at least... Before COVID, I was there once or twice a year now, at least. But you're, you're friends with all my friends. So mm-hmm. it's, you're friends with Itai. You're friends with Yoni. Mm-hmm. So it's a small town. It's a small it's a small country. I love that about you, by the way. Like the first day, literally, we met. You sent like three or four emails. Hey, meet, 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 meet. It was awesome. Like Yoni and Itai, all these guys are, are mensch, mensch of the mensch. And you can really tell, you know, by, by, by your people is that you're a mensch, too. So it was really great. Uh, Mensch, you know what that means? Yes, I do. Surprisingly nice. (laughs) Surprisingly nice. (laughs) It's uber Mensch. uh, Well, you're a Mensch. We've had some fun. I can't wait to get this out to my uh, community. Um, Listen, it's hard for athletes. They're fucking done so young. And between crypto and the internet, there's something for everybody. No one has to retire. And so it's fun to see this generation that you said, like, you're right, 2017, uh, like an explosion happened. People had something besides going to be an analyst if you were an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so you're part of that first real wave. So can imagine what that's like in two generations. You know, it's fun to be negative. I, you know, you go, you log online, everybody wants to talk about the end of the world, but like it's not happening. And if it does happen, you got no control of it. But like there's so much opportunity. 
Absolutely. And I think people understand better now, like with, like you said, like the social media thing, like there's value there having, you know, Steph Curry on your cow table and there's different doors that you can open. It's very cool to have him on some sort of a company retreat that you can talk to people and they can pick his brain. It's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of good to go around that. Yeah. God bless. All right, my man, uh, get some sleep. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing our first deal together, but it's great to be your partner and, uh, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys. You're the man, Knut. Yeah, Pretty you're fun, the man. Huh? Omri's the man. He's a mensch. What do you think a mensch means? I think it means a really nice person. But you've never called me a mensch. I've heard what you've called me. It doesn't start with M or M with H. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've heard asshole. I, when you lose your cool, man. Whoo. Uh, you know what? No, you're good. I mean, like I use my cool every two minutes, but when you lose your cool, I get nervous. So you are listening to Panic with Friends. We now have had a taller person than Canute on the show. That's listen. We're open to anybody. Yes, we are. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're not bipartisan. Equal I don't even know what that means. But anyways, it is fun talking to people like that who are passionate about investing. But then that's not his whole life was waking up with a basketball in his hand, and here we are with the internet and crypto, and anything is possible. He told you 2009, nothing. There was no talk of this stuff in the locker room. 2017, everybody was, and like people say, it was a bubble. No, it was just people onboarded. Right. People are onboarded. People got the bug. Some people are like you and trust other people. Some people want to dig their hands in. Uh, and that's what we're here talking to investors, speculators, traders, founders, athletes, trying to keep one, two steps ahead of everybody. You don't have to fucking invent it. You just have to follow along. Uh, you can search Panic with Friends or my name, Howard Linson. Uh, you could search Canute, but I don't even know. There's so many of you. It's a whole nation of Canutes. I'm at Knut Jensen on Twitter. Are you guys in NATO? <laughs> Supposedly Sweden yes. wants in all of a sudden. So what do you think about that? Sweden wants in. You know what? They've never wanted to. Now the they want to because of Ukraine. Yeah. Fuck you guys. I can't comment, but I just oh, I didn't that. say that out loud, did I? Hester. To the Sweden. Yes. So uh, Panic with Friends, search my name, Howard Lindzen, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, search Mensch, <laughs> if you can spell it, and subscribe. Then you'll never have to worry, and you'll get these once a week. And hit me up on Twitter or my blog or email. See everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of social leverage or stock twits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.